Hi, it's Bart Summers, and today we're going to be discussing some cool things with Mark McEwen. We discuss being prepared to fail before you can be successful. You can't give up. You have to keep going forward. The impact of extreme health experiences like a stroke. Uh, Mark, when I had my stroke, I could have just turned around and walked away. But no, I kept at it. I, I thought it would be shorter, <laughs> like a cold or the flu. No. And great advice from Mark's mom about being nice. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Mark Summers Unwraps. It was hard when Double Dare became family Double Dare because the parents, the prizes were trips to Europe and cars. And if the kids would screw up, the parents sometimes would literally grab the kids by the neck uh, backstage and we'd have to separate them, you know. I can't believe you didn't get that flag and we didn't get that trip. And it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a game show. And the kids don't care about the prizes. They just want to get messy and have fun. But the parents would screw it up by taking it so seriously. And so, yeah, we had situations where um, a parent went through one of the uh, obstacles and his pants came down. And, you know, it was live and I didn't know whether we should keep going or not, but we but we did. And I remember we rolled the credits on his underwear on his rear end. Um, you know, so those are kind of the fun things that happen. Um, you know, we did a show with Weird Al Yankovic uh, against uh, Lou Ferrigno when we were doing Celebrity Double Dare on, uh, on Fox. And, um, you know, Al, uh, Weird Al answered every question we wrote. And it's like, you want to go to a physical challenge. That's why kids and parents watch the show. But no matter what the question was, how obscure it was, our almost guarantee to go to a physical challenge questions were, Al knew the answer. So we were like 10, 12 questions deep and hadn't gone to a physical challenge. And I said to him, man, Weird Al, how do you know all the answers to these weird questions? And he said, hey, man, that's my gig. And, and yeah, what do you say to that, you know? Uh, maybe it wasn't very entertaining. And, and what we did after we went to the commercial break, we came up with, like, the most ridiculous questions, knowing that it had to go to physical challenge because nobody in the right mind would know any of these, and it worked. But, um, you know, you kind of have to uh, go with the moment and, you know, uh, laugh with them and, and hopefully – be entertained by what's happening because you, you really can't go, hey, we're going to stop tape and fix that. It's not as good as the, the live moment. So sure, we always kept the live moment in, you know. All right, everybody. Mark Summers here. Today we're unwrapping a very talented man, a man who I'm actually uh, very envious of because he did so many things that I wanted to do. And uh, he got these opportunities. Mark McEwen is with us. Mark, how are you? I'm fine, and uh, they are lucky they have you. You are a sweet man. Our our, our um, careers compare uh, on a parallel in such an interesting way. And I want to talk about something that you did, uh, I guess it was in the mid-'90s, uh, a show that I just loved, and you got to interact with all these people that I just wanted to hang out with. The show was called Live by Request. What do you remember about that program? Well, well, I remember, Mark, Tony Bennett got me that job. Uh, I met Tony, uh, first interviewed him at the um, uh, uh, Eyes, Windows on the World. And uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, he said, I reminded him of Ed Sullivan. Come on oh, now. Come on, really? <laughs> People will call in and say, I met my wife to this song. Could you sing it? And he'd sing it. So they brought that to uh, A&E. And they wanted, because it was going to be on Valentine's Day of 1995, they wanted a woman. 
Tony and a woman, blah, blah, blah. And Tony just said, no, Mark McEwen. And they said, who? <laughs> three times they came to him and tried to get someone else. And three times he said my name. And finally he put his foot down. And in I walked. They all looked at me. <laughs> they had no idea who I was. That's fantastic. What a great story. That's a fantastic story. So how, how did you meet him? Uh, Tony, uh, uh, you know, Tony Bennett, come on, we all knew the name Tony Bennett. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Ella, all those guys. So he was sitting there, and Tony wasn't the guy he ended up being. Record of the year, and uh, uh, his son, Danny, he said, I can sing, uh, Tony said, but I can't manage. Uh, I need someone to manage me. Danny said, I'll do it. So uh, don't change a thing. So they went on a, co uh, a college concert tour, and all the kids heard, uh, I love my heart, all that stuff. They went nuts. And Tony didn't change anything and went on to Grammys and all that. And who were some of the other artists that you did that show with? Oh, God. Elton John, Earth, Wind and Fire, uh, Vince Gill, um, uh, um, Tony three times. You know, when you're sitting there with uh, your idols, it, it's hard to sort of function. David Bowie, uh, uh, he did the show, and Bowie's my boy. So David, right before, before the uh, the show began, he and his band were in a circle like they do uh, before uh, NFL games and all that. Right. He looked up at me, and he went. <laughs> Oh my. David Bowie just winked at me. <laughs> Very cool. There are moments that you don't forget like that. I was uh, backstage at the time I was being handled by William Morris. That was a long time ago. And uh, I was backstage in Philadelphia, and uh, the uh, Rolling Stones were going on. And uh, Mick Jagger was backstage warming up, running back and forth, running back and forth. And he caught my eye. But uh, what do you say to Mick Jagger? I, I, I left him alone. But they had me right in the front row, like, you know, six, uh, you know, uh, arm lengths away from him. And um, at one point after the intermission, he goes away for a while and, and some other big name comes out and plays for a half hour so Mick can rest. And then he came back out afterwards and he, he did one of these. He looked at me and he went, like, what the hell am I even doing here at this point in my age? And I, I never forgot about that, that freaking, uh, you know, Mick Jagger was sort of interacting with me for that minute. You just don't ever think those moments are going to happen. You know, um, you had an interesting background. Your, uh, your dad was in the service, right, in the military? Air Force, uh, Colonel in the Air Force. I've lived in Berlin, uh, Fort Meade, Maryland, Montgomery, Alabama, all over the place. Which Mark helped me in that I was used to moving every three years. When I was a DJ and went to Detroit, uh, people in Detroit only wanted to live and be in Detroit. I just <laughs> kept going, rooting yeah. for players as opposed to teams because I didn't live in a place long enough to be a, a, a Met fan or an Indian fan or a Brown fan. So, um, uh, players. Oh, yeah. <laughs> players for me. Where did, where did this passion for the arts and entertainment begin with you? Uh, it began with a guy whose name is in a bad way these days. And the guy is Bill Cosby. See, now you, on Def Jam and HBO, they cuss up a storm. But then you only have the Tonight Show, John Carson. And you had to be clean yep. to be on that show. 
So when I did stand-up, and Mark always say I was so funny doing stand-up, I ended up in news. <laughs> My whole act was clean because of him. And uh, so uh, that what lent, uh, led me down that path, and rock and roll radio came uh, as I went to, into college. I always liked radio, but I never thought I'd be on the radio. I grew up in Indiana. I know you were in Maryland for a good part of your life as well. And um, I started as a disc jockey at a station called WBMP in Elwood, Indiana. I did weekends from 6 to 11. I was 15 years old. And when I left, some guy named Dave Letterman took my place, believe it or not, because uh, I... I left. I lost my ride going up to Elwood because uh, it was uh, like 45 minutes up the road and I couldn't drive, so uh, Dave took my place. And then I started doing magic, and from magic I started doing stand-up comedy. And, and you have such a similar background. What do you think that is with guys like us who, uh, you know, is it that we don't have any talent and we don't know what the hell to do, so we'll do anything to get in? Or how does this happen is my question. Well, Mark, uh, what I learned, and I bet you learned too, you can't give up. You have to keep going forward. There are yeah. people who, and we are in a crowded field. Uh, okay, uh, good to know. But there are people who try one thing, it turns out the way they didn't expect, and they never do it again. You have to be prepared to fail before you are successful. So uh, uh, you mentioned Letterman. When I was on the radio in Detroit, I left Detroit to go to Chicago. And the guy who took my place was a young DJ out of Hartford, Connecticut. His name, Howard Stern. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is, see, I mean, these stories are unbelievable. So so who, who gave you that uh, never give up attitude? Was it your father? Was it your mom? Where did you get that? Or do you think you were born with that? No, I, 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 my mom and dad put no give up in this dog. And... Uh, um, uh, Mark, when I had my stroke, I could have just turned around and walked away. But no, I, I kept at it. I, I thought it would be shorter, <laughs> like a cold or the flu. No, uh, but they put that in me. They gave that in me. And uh, <laughs> they taught me manners, please, and thank you. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. If you said to your, my mom, get me that, <laughs> she would cross her arms and look at you. Yeah, that ain't happening, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you brought up the stroke, and, and let's talk about that. Um, we'll, we'll kind of do this backwards in that I want to talk a little bit more about your career. But um, the fact that um, – well, you, the, uh, tell this experience. When I, I got online and I heard how this happened, um, you're lucky to be alive, my friend. Tell this story. Uh, Mark, I always say you rarely hear stroke and lucky in the same sentence. Mm. Um, Mark, I was in Maryland, and I didn't feel quite right at the airport. I went through uh, security, and uh, my wife, I called up, I said, I don't feel so good. She said, eat something. It might be that. I, did, I bought a slice of pizza to eat. That's when you knew something was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, went left went in an ambulance to a hospital and the doctor at the hospital was i was on the bed he was back googling me what <laughs> what is a good word what and so he uh, misdiagnosed me the uh having the stomach flu as opposed to having a stroke oh my so i go home uh where i was saying and um i got on a plane two days later had my master's stroke 
and the uh, Skycap, I had a wheelchair at the airport, wheeled me through the airport, and left me curbside by myself. I was dying. And a guy in baggage claim was heavy, smoking a cigarette, came out to smoke the cigarette, and uh, uh, he looked at me and said, do you want me to take that phone? I got my wife. And she said, hand my phone to someone who can dial 911. So I handed it to him. He called the ambulance. Marky went back in the baggage claim. If he walked in right now, I wouldn't know who he was. Really? Right. He saved my life. He's the reason I believe in angels. And so off I went. And uh, um, in the ambulance, I'm joking, chatting, and got there, and it was a mess and a coma. When you wake up from a coma and you see your dad, your wife, your sister, your brother, your best friend, your cousin, all around the bed, you think, this ain't good. How long were you in the coma? Four days, intensive care for a week, hospital for a month. How old were you when this happened? 51. 51. Very young. Did you have a stroke uh, background in your family? No, but everyone... I knew it news had high blood pressure. Yes. It got me. It got me. Now I, I've lost 50 pounds. I exercise a lot. I'm vegan. You know, I always say you have armor around your body when you're young. That armor gets thinner and thinner as you get older. You have to help that armor help you. And that's where all this comes in, in the play. Isn't high blood pressure predominant in in the black com community? It is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I I live in the quote unquote shrug belt. Uh, uh, black people in this belt eat fried foods, don't exercise. The guys don't go to the doctor. All that works against you. And so, <clears throat> Mark, my job is to let people. No, you have to pay attention to all that stuff. So you said you're a vegan. That's something I don't think I could ever do unless, I guess, put in a corner. You kind of are forced to do it. What What is that vegan life like, my friend? I'm, I'm not sure that uh, it's very appealing to me, but can you make that stuff taste good? Well, here's the thing. My wife, who I love dearly, who I met when she was 16, saw oh a documentary on how bad meat was for you. And she came in and said, guess what? We're not, I'm not eating that anymore. Mark, you, you know, if you're married, you tend to go along <laughs> with your spouse if you want. 47 uh, years, my friend, 47 years. No, you know, so uh, um, it took a while, but uh, occasionally I'll have uh, nachos with ground beef. Uh, 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 but I never was a steak guy, never was. Uh, um, mm -hmm. But they made vegan uh, 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 ground beef and all that. They made it so good, you can't tell it's not regular ground beef. Well, I'll, I'll believe you. I'll believe you on this stuff. <laughs> the few things I've tried, that what's it, what's it pronounced, Satan? Or it's, it sounds like Satan. Uh, I've tried that stuff. It just it, it doesn't work for me. i got to tell you, it doesn't work. So your first big national job was on the CBS uh, morning show, correct? Yes. And how did you get that job? Okay. Mark, that was my first TV job. I got I never had been fired in radio before. I got fired twice 
in New York. <laughs> w uh, and then an AP, no APP, then an NW. And when I got fired from NW, it's on the wall. Uh, the Daily News did a, a piece on me, on us. What do you want to do next? Full page uh, a story. And, uh, I said, um, I might try television. Truth was, Howard Stern was across town doing the mornings. I wanted to do afternoon drive to his mornings. Didn't say that. Ah, of course. The guy who was my executive producer, Bob Shanks, was in his robe that Sunday, reading the paper, turned to his wife and said, I think I found my weatherman. I thought, but okay. you had never done weather, right? Nope, nope. So they called me up, and uh, 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 Pete Bonventry said, I'm one of the producers for this show. And I thought it was CBS FM, an oldies radio station. So uh, hold on. You're, you know, Mark, if a morning show in radio has one producer, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yes. Many producers. And then he says, uh, um, we're going up against GMA in the Today Show. I say, hold on. Is this TV? He says, yes. Interested? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. So I go to Black Rock. I'm sitting in the office with the uh, with Bob Shanks. The phone is blowing up. He's paying no attention to it. He's talking to me. Um, are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? How long have you lived in New York? Do you have brothers and sisters? I thought, what are you doing? He was sizing up, asking me questions. I, he said, have you ever been on TV before? I've been on one time. HBO used to have a free weekend where they would, everything was free to get people to buy HBO. So I was, yep. I had one tape. He said, uh, did you bring it with me? I said, it's out by the secretary. Did you go there? So he's watching it and he says to me, this is the first time you've been on TV? I said, yeah. He says, how do you feel about doing the weather? We'll get your meteorologist, and we'll have one audition. And do me a favor, when you leave here, don't tell anyone about this meeting. I said, okay, Mark, I went downstairs. I told everybody. <laughs> so I had one audition. In a studio, there were a bunch of people, one camera. He stood next to me. And Bob uh, Saget, who I just passed away, I knew Bob. Bob and I worked together. I met Bob on a show called Comedy Tonight. As I walk yep. in, I say, hey, Bob. He says, I think you got this. There's one other guy in you, and the guy's from Boston, and he's older. Okay, so um, Bob says to me, Bob Shanks, when I get in, is there something that can lead you into your comedy? I said, ask me where I went on vacation recently. He says, okay. So he says, make sure you talk to the camera. I'll be right next to him. See, so he's asking me questions. And then he says, where'd you go on vacation recently? And I say, Jamaica. You know, everyone in Jamaica has an accent. Where are you from, Mom? Where are you going, Mom? What's your name, Mom? I said, even the dogs. Bark, bark, Mom. <laughs> Mark, if you say something funny in a room full of comedians, they go, oh, that's funny. But if you say something funny in a room full of newsmen, they fall right on the floor. <laughs> so that's how I got the job. And and how did you prepare for that weather forecast since you really had never done it before? Well, uh, you know, as I'd like to say, 
Mark, I don't know nothing. Really? <laughs> One really? of my dear friends every day and tell me it's going to be raining in the Rockies, out west is going to be dry, might be wet on the east coast. So I would just repeat, and they, at first I had a map behind me, and then it was a full screen map, but I would just talk. So uh, that's how it did. Then but I said, I used to do I, a DJ. We interviewed everyone. I covered the Oscars and the Grammys and the Golden Globes and the Country Music Awards. You know, he did the Olympics a couple times as well, right? Yep. Uh, um, I, Alberville, the Winter Olympics, Alberville in France, Lillehammer in Norway, and uh, Nagano in Japan. And in Japan, I ran with the Olympic torch. Oh, my God. So let's talk about your life today. The rehab was absolute hell. I was watching you go through this on some video. Uh, you were, you had to start all over. Explain what this process was all about. Well, uh, Mark, um, even now, if I get tired, my voice, I have to really pay attention, falls apart. Um, I'm right-handed. My stroke affected my dominant uh, side. I do everything left-handed. I write left-handed. I eat left-handed. Contact left-handed. Everything. And people say, I couldn't do that. And I say, you could if you had to. And uh, one day I was yeah. trying to write. It was all squiggly. And I thought, heck with this. I'm going to do it left-handed. So now, um, Mark, if you see me, you have no idea. But uh, the thing is, I know, I know, I think everyone knows. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I found out you want the life to stop because you have. It doesn't work that way. But what I learned was, you think you're the only one who's had something like this. Mark, across the street, they have something. Next door neighbor, they have something. People you meet, everyone has something. And so... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that uh, world is full of people. So you try to uh, help them, don't give up, and all that. And How long did it take you to get back to what you thought was normal? Hmm. I don't know if I'm t still there. Um, it took me maybe five years after the stroke to get back on local TV. And, uh, um, you know, I did that for a while. It was called Positive Mark at a show. Then that ended, and uh, I did two years with uh, the Black News Channel. And, Mark, the way this happened, my mom always said, be sweet, be nice. And I always tried to be nice to anyone. People think if you are in the limelight, uh, no, don't talk to me. Talk to them, and you have a friend, a fan for life. Okay, so um, I had lunch with a guy named Gary Wardlaw and his wife. He was the VP of uh, news, and so uh, he used to be the general manager of our CBS station in Syracuse. He had a, 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 a lake that was polluted. He put a bunch of fish in there. If you got the right fish, you won a million dollars. So I go there. He never forgot that. He said, you were so nice to me, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, really? <laughs> so um, he says, 
um, how about men's health? I said, well, because of where I come from, the first thing they say is health. But I say, how about just help? I can get you work. He said, no, men's health. I said, okay. Because as I said earlier, you don't say no. <laughs> you don't say no. So yeah. he calls me a month later and he says, my wife says, if I don't offer you a job, she's going to kill me. <laughs> it changed uh, from men's health to all things men. Uh, cooking, uh, uh, health, uh, 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 being a lawyer and all that. We need a title. I said, how about all things men? So I used to have to drive up to Tallahassee three and a half hours one oh, night. My. And then the pandemic hit. And they said Zoom. I vaguely heard of Zoom, but I didn't know what it was. So all of, not last year, but 2020 was all remote Zoom. And then last year, my producer uh, is here. He's also a stroke survivor, Kenny Lewis. And he comes to the house. He has a camera. He does the whole thing. He edits. He produces. And, uh, everything you see, he put together. So, uh, um, oh, that's fantastic. Makes your life easier. It sure does. Sure does. And Marcus, at first I was like, put this here, put that there. And then I thought, he, he's really good <laughs> uh, uh so i give it to him i say yeah this may be bad but otherwise do what you want okay i'm very happy you know at this point in our lives uh mr McEwen, we don't need to be thinking about that stuff just hand it off to somebody else you know I i'm i'm at that point in my life as well you know yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something that you probably couldn't prepare for, and that is the financial aspect of this. Here you are working, you get this stroke. Did you have insurance? Did the station pay for it? What did it do to your mental, uh, your psychological, your family life, your kids? What's that experience like? Well, Mark, if I had known how bad it was, I would have been more concerned. I didn't know. Uh, my wife said when I filled out the W-2 form, put the maximum for uh, uh, health insurance. But our check would be, be small. Put the maximum just in case. That saved my life. And uh, uh, Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I had money in 401ks. Uh, I saved up. had all kinds. All that went away. <laughs> and... Um, Learn the hard way that if you hit the 401ks before you retire, the tax burden is 40%. So how did you handle that? Uh, you know, one foot in front of the other. Uh, um, you make it up as you go along. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Mark. The last five, ten years have been awful. Just awful. It's been juggling bills and uh, uh, you know, just awful. When when we get these illnesses, I'm on this crazy medication for my cancer. The pills cost about thirteen thousand dollars a month, and um, I was on a grant. Yeah, yeah, and I was on a grant that just disappeared. Yes, and um, I've been scrambling for the last couple of months trying to get this covered because, believe it or not, I don't have an extra $13,000 a month, okay? I don't know many people that do unless you're Steven Spielberg or, you know, George Clooney. And um, the one thing they tell you in situations like yours and mine is not to stress. Well, for the love of God, what are you supposed to do? 
um, and you make as many plans as you can, but nobody's going to predict to me that you're going to have medication that's going to cost, you know, this insane amount. And so, you know, we think we have it resolved now, but I have a guy with, I'm a computer guy and uh, I, I know how to push buttons and get to people. But for those people who are on this medication who don't know how to use the system, what do they do? You know, and you're telling me you're being very open and I uh, admire and appreciate that the last five years have been tough. Um, and when we see what's going on with the world right now with inflation, uh, they said today on the CBS Morning News, which I still watch because I started watching you and I'm still hooked, um, that the average bill monthly for homes is $225 a month more than it was last year at this time. Where's that money coming from? How do people deal with that? And it's not just one or two people. It's, they say, 70 or 80 percent of the country. Uh, the world's a mess right now. What advice can you give anybody for that? Oh, gosh. Uh, Mark, um, when you say the world is a mess right now, you're right. Um, I tell my twins, I've never seen this before. Uh, we didn't grow up with this. We had things, not this. And the, as my son called it, the pandemic. I said, what? The pandemic? He's only read it. He hadn't heard it. <laughs> Boosters and masks and uh, money and blah, blah, blah. It's a mess. It's a mess. Uh, um, yeah, it's a advice mess. would be it's a mess for all of us. Uh, um, don't give up. Don't give, don't give up. It's a, tell me what, what your kids are doing these days. My uh, twins are seniors in high school. Uh, one of them has a YouTube channel with 100,000 subscribers. Mark? Oh, my gosh. So what's the website so we can push that? It's uh, Brony Boy, B-R-O-N-Y-B-O-Y. One word, Brony Boy 5463. And what he does, uh, does anime videos. He writes all the scripts and all that. But Mark, when he had 5,000 subscribers, I said, you know, let Dad tell you what you should. I said, don't change a thing. Do exactly what you do. Yeah, yeah. But all that is him. And Mark, it's so great to go out to dinner and have your son go, I got this. <laughs> I got this. Oh, my. He's doing that well, huh? Maya is 26. She's out in L.A. She works now for um, uh, a real estate uh, firm, uh, rental, big one. Sounds like you've done well there. I I'm going to probably, uh, I'm going to guesstimate here that the, the real... Um person in charge who you probably owe a lot to is your wife. Tell me about her. Well, uh, my wife, Mark, uh, is my sister's best friend. She met her at driver's ed when they were 16. <laughs> and she's, oh my, when I get my license, I want to drive you over to meet my new friend. I said, okay. She pulled, pulled up off a who is this? <laughs> we both got married before. We both had uh, a daughter. And together we have sons. Yours, mine, and ours. Oh, nice. Mark, I still can't believe I'm married to her. How many years has it been? It's be 20 in April. I've known her for 46 years. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and what's the magic to this relationship, Mark? Well... You know, most 
uh, I uh, interviewed Val Demings, uh, Jerry Demings, okay. the mayor of Orange County here. He's married to uh, uh, Congressman Val Demings. And I said, what's the secret to a good marriage? And I said, all the married men are leaning forward right now. <laughs> they want to hear it. He laughed. He said, you learn you don't have to be right all the time. You have to pick and choose your battles. And sometimes they'll say things you think, and you keep your mouth shut. But the thing is, to make the, uh, uh, help the relationship last. So, uh, uh, fights and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's that old thing, happy uh, happy wife, happy life. I guess there's more truth to that than uh, we could even say, you know. And Val Demings, wasn't she the chief of police down there, for heaven's sakes? Yeah. And Jerry uh, was also the chief of police. He hired her. And I asked. Oh, my. I uh, uh, heard she rides motorcycles. Uh, do you? Oh, yeah. We have two of them now. She's in D.C., so I ride them uh, myself and all that. He was great. Great guy. That's amazing. So you're positive. Uh, you're energetic. Are you Now that COVID is hopefully on its way out, are you going to go back and give uh, lectures uh, to various uh, groups and try and promote this positivity? Well, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, Columbus, Ohio in May for a speech. I'm the keynote speaker for the neuroscience form. Okay. Uh, but before I get to all that, let me tell them about you. You were reality TV before there was reality TV. <laughs> the heroes to guys like me because you were on TV. And I sat there and I watched the whole thing and slime. Uh, Maya says, I remember slime. They would drop it down. Maya had to be four or five yeah maybe. probably but yeah yeah mark you were uh the guy before the guy was the guy well that's very kind you know the, the weirdest thing um this past weekend i was home uh saturday night and again i'm not name dropping here again but uh bobby flay's a good friend via my food network connections and he texted me and he said dude they're doing you on Saturday Night Live, and I turned over, and son of a gun, Alex Moffat was doing an impression of me on Saturday Night Live, and I thought, well, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, you know? So you, you just don't even know the impact that you have on people's lives when you're doing television. And I've been lucky. I've been doing this 40-plus uh, years. Two shows stand out in people's minds, Double Dare and Unwrapped. And, you know, when we were doing Unwrapped on Food Network uh, – there would be no Food Network without Emerald, but believe it or not, Unwrapped was beaten Emerald back in the day. And so um, it was interesting to have two different lives, one where the kids uh, grew up watching me, and then they were nice enough to follow me over when I went to Food Network. So um, the impact that we have, and so here's the whole thing. Um, we've got to pay it forward. And the way we do that is by taking whatever knowledge we have, whether, uh, you know, I lecture at colleges, I try to uh, help the uh, Leukemia Society and folks like that. You're helping the people with strokes. The information and the lives that we have been lucky enough to live, whether there's ups and downs and everybody's got ups and downs and you pointed that out. Uh, there's, a, there's a Yiddish proverb where they said if you put all your worries on a clothesline, you would always go back to your own because when you see the other people's worries on their clothesline, it's always going to be worse than yours. And we've got to be able to take our experiences and our lives and try to help people. And you're doing that. And I applaud you. And I appreciate that, sir, very much. I'll tell you, when I go uh, to speak 
and I'm blocked by someone, and up front are the survivors in wheelchairs with their arms crooked and the droop of their mouth. I say to them, I'll be right back. I go over. Mark, it's like coming home. It's hugging and all that. When I talk about strokes, I'm not talking about one that my dad had or a co-worker or a neighbor, I'm talking about me. So when they talk about rehab, I'll say, what kind of rehab? And then I can tell them my rehab. And when you have someone who has gone through or is going through what you are going through, you're all ears because they know, they know. And so uh, I try to uh, give them hope, inspiration, all that. People always say to me, what's the most important thing you've done uh, and I always say I was uh, on a television show that I was hosting on Lifetime called Biggers and Summers, and I came out and talked about having obsessive compulsive disorder. Well, the next thing I know, I'm on Howard Stern, I'm on Oprah, uh, I'm on the Today Show, I'm everywhere. And then I wrote a book called Everything in Its Place. And today, even to this day, that book was written in 1999. When people come up to me and say, I didn't know what I had until I saw you on Oprah, until I read your book, until I saw you on the Today Show, and you changed my life. Um, there's no better feeling. Forget about the slime. Forget about unwrap. Forget about all that stuff. If you're able to change a person's life by giving your speeches, writing a book, whatever it is, that's the most important thing that you and I can do. And we got to just keep on doing it. Mark, I tip my cap to you. Uh, um... And to you as well, sir. Mark Summers Unwraps is a production of Believe Limited, created by me, Mark Summers, and Jessica Richmond. Produced by Keith Corneluk and Jessica Richmond. Executive produced by Patrick James Lynch and Ryan Geelan. Post-production support from Joshua Sterling Bragg and Believe Limited. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you really love it, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Mark Summers Unwraps.